for a little while. We've had COVID and travel and everything else, but wheels coming off the cart in all kinds of ways. It's all falling apart, but yeah, just thankful to be back uh, doing uh, Beyond Sunday. Uh, just to remind you, kind of our whole heart behind Beyond Sunday is is that we would take those amazing truths of God's word, and they wouldn't be just something that we talk about or think about. But then in the context of local relationships inside of a local church, that we really would learn how to live these amazing truths out. So I'm sitting here with Spencer McCush and with Christian Burkhart, and we have been not only going through First and Second Thessalonians, but we finally brought it to an end. We finally got it all, all closed up, and uh, we kind of finished with this idea of confrontation. That's where we kind of left off. The The major issue that I thought Dan did a great job on was working us through just a, a theology of, of, of work, but then we kind of had to finish up with the theology of how confrontation works. So that's, that's, that's where we went. So I'm here to confront both Spencer and Christian on all of their flaws and foibles now that I'm an expert on it. You don't have enough time. Okay. We're just, right. we're just doing it with microphones now. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, a normal conversation. <laughs> so we're excited. We're excited to actually have a discussion through this because I think it is. I mean, I, I said it earlier when we were kind of just in a little bit of prep time. I think it's a lost art. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's something that we've we've lost and we, we oh, kicked around a lot of ideas. But man, it's like I think when we look in all of our lives, those moments either where we were confronted or mm-hmm. we confronted others just in the normal <clears throat> day in and day day out realities of relationships that we have, how crucial they are to like our formation. Yeah. Um, that we don't see, we don't see our flaws and foibles and we need others to come alongside yeah. of us and we need to come alongside of others. Yeah. No, I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, you just kind of brought it up in passing there, but in this conversation, I think it really exposes the, the lack of relationship because if this is something that should be done, it, it like to your point, it's a lost art. And I start thinking through and going, okay, why are we, why are we maybe not good at it? And going, oh, well, is it because we don't see a need for it? Or is it because we don't, you know, all of these things. And then then eventually going, oh, well, oh, I think what it exposes is that we really are like negligent of like really healthy relationships where this is a normative practice and there's time and relational credibility. So all the things that we end up talking about in regard to, you know, to confrontation is is really built on an assumption of a healthy relationship with someone else and going, oh, all these reasons why confrontation goes sideways really exposes the fact that, man, we're not really good at having what I would say are biblical, intentional relationships. Anyway, it's something to think, yeah. I don't know, I've just been processing through it. I well, know. and then they, I, you know, you had mentioned earlier, the difficulty of it is, is that then they... I think either we let them build or mm-hmm. we're so used to just making them into this like monumental event that we're, we've waited forever to, you know, <laughs> to talk to somebody about. <clears throat> and then it almost becomes scary or it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. When you turn confrontation into an event as opposed to just a normative part of a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet, I, I mean, like my whole goal in laying it out and I, I'm still there, we'll never become the people God intends us to be without it. Right. It's it's an integral part 
of when we practice just living together. I mean, it's that's basically in many ways what aspects of the one another's are, mm-hmm. and how we walk alongside of one another. We'll, we will never become the people God intends us without it, which right. makes this so important. Right, because we all need it too. Right, of going, Everybody. we all we all have blind spots. I mean, I think. If you don't think you have a blind spot, yeah, it's, like, got a blind spot. it's like, okay. But I mean, we all have blind spots. And so we should all welcome people speaking in or at least asking questions that might expose those blind spots or offer a, yeah. a perspective on those things. But again, we we hesitate to confront and then we are defensive when we are confronted instead of going, no, this is actually a, a good and normal thing that we should be pursuing. I don't know. I, I think in terms of um, like a a coach at, at an athletic practice and going, they don't, they don't make c- correction or confrontation an event, right? It's just a normal part of practice and how ridiculous it would be if we, you know, in the middle of practice stopped and Hey, let's make, let's go get, let's go to Starbucks so we can correct your, you know, your, your, your swing or, you know, your, your pitching mechanics or whatever it is. And I don't know, do, do, Runners have coaches. They just make sure you turn left. <laughs> okay, I didn't even the know. Yeah, cross, they make sure you cross country. You up and left, down. Right, left, yeah. right, left, right, and then on a track, it's just make sure you yeah. always turn left. So, so maybe running doesn't have coach. I don't know. <laughs> well, but I think like it's funny. I was thinking about running from the other side of like when you talked about hey we has we we hesitate to do this and then we don't know how to respond when confrontation does come, and there is a sense where it is kind of like trying to build a habit of running, right? Of of exercising your body. Mm -hmm. Everything in you is going to scream against it because it's uncomfortable and it's pushing you in an area where you're not healthy. And yet when you commit to it after a time, there is a, there's this huge sense of accomplishment when you go, Oh, my body can do this now. And this isn't just something I'm making it do, but there's actually a sense of, wow, there's, there's, a different sense of joy that comes mm-hmm. from teaching your body how to do something that's healthy for Right. But I think there's a part of this where I think what you're inviting yeah. us into is this sense of, Hey, this is a good part of the exercise of being disciples that our bodies are going to, our lungs are going to burn and our legs are going to ache when we first start doing it. But the more that we practice this in a healthy, good way, this actually contributes to our health. Right. It's interesting. Maybe I'll have to hold on to this till later as you were talking there. I think, Unlike personal exercise, yeah, um, which is very individualized, yeah, I can choose to go work out or not work out mm-hmm. and accelerate or decelerate, you know. However, this is one of those exercises that actually requires me to yeah. engage with others, yep. whether I'm the one confronting or being confronted. Yeah, this is a group exercise, yep. and we don't like working with others. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or I would say this: there are some people that really like working with others because there are. I've had a few people in my life that. Um, they are kind of that sin bloodhound. Yeah. That they almost have like a joy in confrontation. <laughs> yeah, and you're the, like the sin police. <laughs> yeah. The sin but even police. that though, I, I question whether they actually value relationship though. Well, I don't think they value relationship necessarily. I just think like it's my time to shine. Yeah. This, is, this is what I bring to the team. Yeah. The high justice people that <laughs> correct all wrongs, you know. And, yeah. But yeah. But I think like, you know, maybe just to bring this little section to a close. And that's why I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you guys. My prayer is, is that for Cornerstone, we become effective in, in our relationships and specifically in how we do confrontation. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited to talk with these guys. I'm excited to look down again at, at 2 Thessalonians 3, but uh, that's where we'll go next. We'll look down in the text. All right. So as we're kind of 
coming out of this section where we're talking, we're kind of framing the conversation why this matters and saying, okay, we, as a church, we're hoping that we can grow. We all have blind spots. We all need confrontation. We all see that it's a, it's a practice that we can grow in. But I think you did a great job as you were talking through Second Thessalonians 3, um, kind of laying out the practical kind of uh, some biblical principles that are there. So I don't know, why don't you walk us through a couple of those and maybe Christian and I can kind of ask some questions or clarify some things along the way. Yeah, or even just have a discussion. No, we don't believe in those. Okay. We could confront each other over you. Mm, I like your style. Model this thing for That's people. Right. Let's let's find the six things that Todd needs to be confronted on. Okay, well, the first one is that you're being evasive right now. <clears throat> I am. So, so let's get to the... I, I think like just, I think like at the core of like this that hit me the most is when in verse 13... He talks about this idea of not growing weary and doing good. Yeah. And the whole good that he's speaking about, because we know contextually on both sides of this, the good is actually the confrontation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because starting in verse 6, he starts a confrontation. And then in verses 14 and following, he continues the confrontation. And the weariness is not to get weary in the good of actual confrontation, which hit me where it's just like... We actually have to believe deep within our heart before we do this that it's actually a good thing. Yeah, and that that's hard, especially like I was when I went looked up the definition. I just brought it with me today, but it, confrontation is a hostile, argumentative meeting or situation between opposing parties. You're like, Ooh. oh, that doesn't sound good, and yet I think that's how maybe. The, I think the world perceives it right. right? Mm-hmm. That's the perception that comes at it, but God sees it so differently, whether we're in Genesis 3 and he comes in to confront Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. the graciousness, the goodness, right? There, There's a restorative <clears throat> aspect restorative of it. Restorative yeah. nature of it, which is obviously, that's the goal of all of it, is that we truly would be who God intended. He yeah. modeled confrontation right off the, the get-go when they, when they failed. But it really is like seeing this as a good thing. And I think most of us are brought up not seeing confrontation as a good thing. Right. But I think that's where... I'm glad you brought that up just now because I I do think there is like so many things in life. There is a worldly approach to this, and then there is a biblical God honoring approach. And if we and if we understand confrontation through a worldly lens, then yeah, it's it's not helpful and it's really harmful, in fact. But if we do view this from a biblical perspective and allow the Holy Spirit and God's word to shape our, not only our understanding, but also our practice, then confrontation really can be seen as something that's restorative and healthy and good. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I appreciate the fact that you're creating that, that, um, that contrast. Yeah. Which then, I mean, that's where I kind of, it led into the goal where like Paul, this, this, this confrontation that was supposed to happen was to according according to the teaching I brought to you. In other words, there was like, in some way, he must have always already taught them about confrontation in some way, in some form about mm-hmm. how it was supposed to take place. And I think then, okay, so if I look at tradition, they would have had, they would have had like the Jesus story of Matthew 18, where, you know, the whole end goal of that is you've won your brother. You want to win him, Paul later, you know, because he's writing this letter from Corinth. He has to later tell the Corinthians, hey, the intent of this is the restoration of people that... Think about the the confrontation that Peter, or that Paul himself experienced in such a dramatic way from Jesus. Yeah. Paul was fully convinced in his own mind that he was on the right track and seeking to put Christians in prison. Like how, like Paul knew firsthand the goodness 
And the restorative power of yeah. a well-timed confrontation by the Son of God, right? <laughs> yeah, and so that's where it's like, I, you know, I think oftentimes I enter confrontation more that you're annoying me. Mm. Or you're, you know, you're pain in the butt, or you know, I am. I've, I've got justice figured out, so I'm going to bring you my goodness from on high. But I think like the reality of com- confronting and, and truly embracing this idea of longing for the intent of God in their life. Mm. Yeah, and I think you are you are just representing the side of the person, kind of confronting. confronting. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking from the perspective of the person receiving that confrontation. And I think one of the things that if, if we think of res- restoration as the goal, well, my default setting is not one that's God honoring. You know what I mean? I'm going, I have to actually assume that I'm... Especially the area <laughs> of confrontation. Right. I'm going, <laughs> but my like where, where confrontation can go sideways so fast is like Christian, what you just said about Paul, Saul at the time. Um, man, he thought he was doing right and good. And usually when I respond poorly to confrontation, it's because I'm so committed wow. to the fact that I'm right mm. yeah. and not actually open to hearing somebody else going, hey, you know what? I'm seeing a blind spot here. And so just the need to go, I don't know, just representing both sides of the, the one confronting and also the need to actually be approachable and and go, man, I... I would need to function from a posture of, I do have blind spots yeah. and I'm not always right. Yeah. But I think which all is hard us, for a, I think we know that, right? Like when we go to confront somebody, generally we're confronting them because they are off, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, we're, I think you're going to always have to expect there's going to be tension in that moment that's going to bring to the surface a ton of uncomfortability. Which is why then that kind of that next idea of being drawn out is like Paul throughout First and Second Thessalonians keeps emphasizing this brothers and sisters idea mm-hmm. that we're not confronting as an organization, we're not confronting as a, you know, whatever it is, we're a family. Mm-hmm. And so in that, like one, there's two thoughts on it. One is it, it has to come from a position of love. But I think the other part about this idea of confronting as a brother or sister is to understand my own my own flaws, my own inability to see things, my own predisposition where, you know, if I confront you and you respond back, well, then I'm going to want to fight. And then we just violated Galatians 6 of, you know, confronting with gentleness and humility. And, and so I think like the, and that was where just that thought of, I have to confront truly myself before I go confront Mm -hmm. others, because I know this is going to be a tension field reality that, if I'm not ready for that moment, and again, it, you know, we, we don't want to turn it into an event, but, but even taking the time to go, whoa, I should probably actually care about my own inability to see something and then be ready even to be wrong. Um, oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't see it from that vantage. Thanks. Like I, man, I saw that wrongly. My, my bad on that. But I think really like understanding truly like our nature and need and seeing ourselves as a brother from that vantage point. And so I thought that was like, that was really cool for me to kind of have to wrestle through as I was kind of looking at it. And I think the other part then, you know, kind of after you acknowledge that is that Paul really knew the issue. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we confront over pet peeves more than we do over like an actual biblical issue. I do as a parent, (laughs) I've been finding myself, I fail at that a lot. Like, what is the actual biblical issue? Is yeah. Are you just annoying? 
or are you know you frustrating me right now or is there actually something that's the intent of God that I I want to join Jesus in helping you move towards yeah and that really that really set me back that from the standpoint that Paul started way back in in first Thessalonians right beginning to see this whole disorderly reality in chapter five. And then he has to say to him in verse 14, hey, be careful because, yeah, you do have to be confronted with the disorderly, but with the weak, um, you need to be careful. You, you may not see this the way that you think you do. And so make sure you have an actual biblical principle. So for him, right, it was a created, it's a creative issue. It was mm-hmm. you were you and I are created to work. And so he brought the principle to bear. Which, man, it's like taking the time to actually know, like, what is the principle that we're actually working Yeah, the ability to discern what's a preference issue and what is really preventing Jesus from being known or looking good right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, not all of my preferences are actually consistent with making Jesus look good, you know what I mean? And so it's all of a sudden going, oh... Oh, wait a second. We're we're really only supposed to confront those things that are really preventing Jesus from yeah. being known or seen well. And um yeah, that's man, that's convicting. Yeah, right. It flows both ways. I think uh, several years ago I remember reading a book that John Piper wrote on marriage where he had a, a section in there. Uh, and talking about husbands and wives, we uh, talked about discerning the difference between sinfulness and strangeness, which is mm-hmm. that same thing we're talking about. And just those two words stuck with me in those moments where my wife and I are having tension or with the kids. It's like, is this actually sinful or is this just something that's strange to me? Like I wouldn't put the toothpaste away that way or, you know, the other silly things we argue about sometimes in, in marriage. And it's like, okay, if this is a strange thing, then this is actually a place where I don't want to respond to their strangeness and sinfulness by just now seeking to enforce or something like that, like my, my way of doing things. But I think just that, those phrases stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this, is it sin or is it just strange? Cause I mean, let's be honest, we all can be strange and, yeah, and, uh, the way that we handle that strangeness is. I think the Doors wrote a song about that. When you're strange, <laughs> Ooh, mm. way to go. The range. Wow, way to go. Yeah, I appreciate that play right there. Thank you. Yeah, and then the other thing that kind of flowed out of it was just seeing that idea of walk that they were walking in this disorderly way. There was a pattern to what they were doing. That Paul wasn't necessarily confronting the fact that they had a bad day, right? I mean, we. How often do we have bad days? And I think that's where it's just we, but then we rely on issues of just, you know, love covering a multitude of sins. And even in Proverbs where it talks about like, there's actually a loftiness to go and, hey, I'm going to overlook that. Like it's, it's not, I mean, I I get that there's extreme cases that we can't overlook, but on the vast majority of stuff, it's just like, look, it's okay. You had a bad day, but Paul was really dealing with a pattern because he talks about this idea of walking in idleness. Mm. There was something that was seen mm. by the people that was a part of it. And so then therefore you're able to confront out of seeing identifiable patterns in a person's life that sin has crept in and truly right. grabbed a person. Yeah. I, when, <laughs> when, when you were talking through this, um, what what came to mind was, was going, if... If we're more focused on the sin, then, okay, maybe we can just gloss over a bad day here and there. But I was thinking about it, and I think there's actually another component Hmm. of going, if I'm actually focused on you, the person, and I see you're having a bad day, but I'm not focused on the sin per se, but I'm actually focused on you. I'm concerned about you. 
then my concern isn't the sinful kind of bad day, kind of one-off mm-hmm. exceptions, but I'm concerned with you and going, man, there's a reason you just responded the way you did. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm actually, because I'm concerned for my friends, I'm concerned for my kids, I'm concerned for my, you know, dad or whoever it is and going, Hey, I saw this. Are you doing okay? Cause mm-hmm. I know that's not normal for you. Yeah. You know, and, and actually giving a, an opportunity to come alongside and care for people, not gloss over it, but also not be focused on the sin, but focus on the person. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think that's the, I mean, I think that's your heart in it. I'm just saying represent a different totally, side of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's totally First Thessalonians 5 where it's, are you weak? Yeah, right? right. Are you, mm-hmm. are you discouraged? Is, is there something going on that yeah. we just don't know about? And I think like pulling out the, the idea of confrontation, I really do think it's intended for something that is an ongoing mm. practice. It's, Hey, you know what? I've, we've now seen something in your life and we love you enough to say, Hey, mm-hmm. how do we, we got to now, those of us who are spiritual need to walk with you through this Galatians six. Right. Yeah. And so I think like, that's, that's one of the big, big realities for me was going, wow, we really being able to discern uh, yeah. the difference between the two. And, but I told, I mean, like to this <coughs> point, that's such a good, like diagnosing my heart. Am I more fixated on the sin or the issue at hand or caring for this person? person? Because I can't con- confront from a caring heart if if I'm not motivated by a caring heart in that, you know. Yeah, and then just that for the final point, kind of looking at it, where Paul, in the way he's walking through, understands. I think especially how much, how little of this letter was focused on the person actually that was in sin. Yeah, he was focused on the people that were actually supposed to go do the confronting. Which kind of led to kind of a final thing for me to go and realize that Paul's not asking them to take care of the outcome. They're to shoot for a, the goal of the outcome, right? Which is mm-hmm. restoration and that person truly living the intent to which God's called them to live. But really, he was just asking them to be faithful. Like, then, so keeping the target is if God's taking care of the outcomes, you just be faithful in the life of that person. And I think especially where it's like, Spencer, what you talked about earlier, that faithfulness is more than doing the right thing. The faithfulness is actually building the relationships and Mm. the, right, it's all the stuff that happens before Mm. any of that takes place that allows us to step into that, that moment and not make it weird or out of place, but actually to normalize it. Well, it's the stuff that happens before and after. Totally. Like if you're not willing to bear one another's burdens, like he calls us to in Galatians 6, then you have no business confronting on the front end. 100%. You know, so it's like, hey, if you're going to confront, be willing to actually bear the burden on the back end of whatever comes next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of that. But man, as you're talking through that of going, the goal is faithfulness. And I guess maybe the contrast of that one is going... Where I go sideways on this all the time is when I start seeing my role not as the one as just confronting, but also trying to be the agent of change. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I step out of what God's called me to, of just being the vessel of communication and trying to be the Holy Spirit, where I'm trying to make someone change. Mm-hmm. And whether that's my friends or my kids or my, you know, whoever. Um, yeah, but when I start to try to create structures where I'm making someone change or evoking change... Man, that becomes none of us like that, <laughs> you know. And it's like, oh, it's no yeah, good. Yeah, one of the guys I was reading put it this way. He said, "Our our job is not the outcome. Our job is to provide the correct environment." Mm-hmm. And so, learning how in our friendships to create correct environments that, again, I 
I'll, I'll put this in the in the right environment. I'll be faithful. Now, ultimately, the change is not up to me. But if it doesn't, if it, however it goes, then okay, Lord, did I provide that correct environment yeah. for this confrontation to take place in? And then from that, now that's actually success. Now we long for obviously transformation, yeah. <laughs> but you know this, and I know this. We don't always see it. Uh, right away, but we can provide that right environment. And I thought that was just a great way of looking at it when the, when that guy was talking about it. So, anyways, those are those are the six things. Could you mind just walking us through those six, just kind of not not in any, just kind of bullet point those six again, if you can? Yeah, that first aspect is just believing confrontation is a good thing. Like deep within us, seeing that that it is a it's a good thing. I think then, like grasping you know, what the intent of confrontation is biblically, which we talked about being restoration and people living as God intended. Just the whole idea of acknowledging and addressing our limitations as brothers. We, we too are, are flawed yeah. in how we come at it, but then That's making three. sure comes love, love comes at it. Four, just knowing, you know, the biblical issue you're confronting um, at the core of it. Don't confront non-biblical issues, pet yeah. peeves, you know, the real biblical issue. Making sure that we confront patterns, not bad days. That's five. That's, that's five. five. That's right. we're, we're learning to count here. And, and then the last one is, again, just focusing on being faithful, not not the outcomes. We long for the outcome, but we we have no control over it. And so those yeah. are the six that we have. And sometimes that real test of faithfulness is the risk of going, okay, in doing this, I, I, I'm re- I'm not seeking to exercise power in this relationship. I'm, I'm seeking to acknowledge the dignity of this person to take my words in whatever way they, they will. And I'm not controlling where it goes from there. That, and again, I think that's that, that faithfulness, not only seeking to be faithful friends, but then seeking to act in faith toward God to say, okay, God, I want to entrust this to you and ask that the outcome is in your hands Amen. and not to withhold from someone love that we ought to give yeah. just because it might cost so I want to expand on a couple of things you said, actually, in this next segment, because you guys both said some things that I think are super crucial that were in the back of my head that I didn't get to pull out yeah. on that Sunday. So let's let's do that next. Okay, so in between, number one, that clap just woke Christian up. Yeah, so we're all, we're all set. Go, go. Christian's catatonic still. <laughs> he's over there with sleepy eyes. He's awake now. He's ready yeah. to go. Yes. Okay, so one of the things while we were kind of on our little break and kind of talking was, is that one of the the downsides of oftentimes confrontation is that we can feel like a project, not as a fellow image bearer and person that God has given us to love. You want to Maybe Spencer, just expand on that a little bit because I now spoke in confidence. I, no, I, because... I feel like you're confronting me that I'm somehow treating you as a project in my life. Or... No, just saying that the absolute need to view people as other, yeah, brothers and sisters in the church body that that we are fellow image bearers, and when we reduce people to a struggle or a sin issue, um, or we make them a project to fix. Man, that is so dehumanizing because I don't, I don't know how you guys who are listening, like all two of you, um, there's three now, there's three. Okay. Yeah. Peggy's there too. (laughs) Um, but if, uh, I think we all know that, that those times where people, they're more interested in fixing us than what they are about actually pursuing a meaningful relationship with us. And I can sense that from a, 
far, far away. And it just makes me, I don't even want to engage with this person because I know they're not really concerned about me. And so just the need to go, okay, when, when I am actually going to push the chips in and actually talk to someone, the need to actually care about them mm-hmm. and actually pursue relationship with them, um, man, that makes such a huge difference because if, if we don't, one, it's dehumanizing. Second, I think we're, the wheels are going to come off the cart because we don't actually care about the person. We're just chasing an issue. Have you, have you ever seen it work the other way? Where someone pursues a relationship? No, where, where someone says, Hey, I'm not looking for a relationship with you. I, I just wanted you to help me with this thing I'm having a problem with, and then I'll move, move on and we can part ways. Oh, interesting. Where someone, um, I've had that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I've had that as well. Yeah. Um, because that usually, it, it's not common. Yeah. But yeah, I've had it where someone says, hey, help me navigate this issue. I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm just looking for kind of the, you're the fix it guy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not a fix it guy. <laughs> I'm like, no, that doesn't work either. Yeah. But you're right. There is something like that, like it, it saps the energy out of both of them. Cause I would say there's, there's, there's a sense in which like, you need both. There is the there is the sense of okay. There is an issue, something that needs to be righted. There's a, there's a wrench in the gears that we we. There's a project to address that, but as part of a more fully orbed relationship as as fellow image bearers seeking to represent Jesus together, I think that's right. kind of the ideal of what you're talking about. But I do think that like, I think part of even having more separate, private sort of, like therapeutic, relationships can sometimes lend to that sense of, hey, you can be like my soul mechanic and help deal with the gunk inside there, but I don't want you a part of the rest of my life because I'd rather compartmentalize it. Right. I think there's a, yeah, I think we can fall off both sides of that bridge, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, which is a very modern approach, right, Mm -hmm. where it's like we're not really friends. I'm just here to help you walk through an issue, and at the end of it, whether you're compensating me or, you know, it's part of a church ministry or whatever, the intent is not to win a brother, hmm. Matthew 18. The intent is to help you get fixed. Hmm. That sounded really bad. But it just it's that thing, right, where it's like, it seems to be so much of confrontation. And that's what I meant by Paul calling them brothers. It's a family thing. Hmm. Yeah. Regardless of which side of, the, of this you're on, you're, you're trying to be family yeah. and restore things and, and, and be able to then, out of that, hard, laborious work of confrontation to have new shared life and flourishing. And right. and that's where I feel like on w- the wrong side of both ends don't get to build like mm. actually the beautiful outcome of family. Yeah. Right. This is where I think, I think the, it goes back to something you said earlier, Christian, about the need to, to take risk mm. with things. But if we step back and go, what's God's great purpose for the church, the family of God, all these people, is that, okay, we are individually image bearers of God, but then collectively we represent the people of God, and that when we collectively have a couple of image bearers who are not reflecting God accurately, Mm -hmm. we say, oh, for the sake of Yes, the individual, but for the sake of what God intended for humanity, mm-hmm. we're going to confront. And so now all of a sudden, it's I confront because we're, we're out of step with what God has intended for his people, not because I'm trying to fix you, yeah. 
but it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. Like it, and, and, and so all of a sudden then risk, yeah, there's risk, but it's so worth it mm-hmm. because it's what we're intended for. I don't know. Is that making sense or is that? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a risk that I do think that, again, when I look at that six point that you made about seeking to be faithful, but recognizing we can't control the outcomes, I guess one, one outcome that we should expect is that things will be brought to light. Mm-hmm. That perhaps will be a greater degree of honesty and clarity in that relationship. And I think sometimes that's the thing that I've, I've seen both in those times where maybe I feel like I tried to handle conflict well, other times when it didn't handle so well. You do recognize you, there's a fork in the road that has now developed in that relationship. Sometimes the relationship becomes stronger because of it. Sometimes there is a parting of the ways because of it. But either way, there was a sense of, well, things became clearer. Mm-hmm. And the way forward became clear, even if it, even if it isn't the way forward that I would have first like most desired. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a to be grateful for the the, the honesty, the clarity, yeah. even if yeah, and even yeah. in that, at least right, what the point kind of you're making to kind of wed the two together. At least at the end of it, our family is functioning like God designed it so that we might represent him well, right? Because yeah. even if the outcome isn't maybe what we had hoped, mm-hmm. our family still functioned in a, a way that represents God well when we do confront one another rightly, right? I mean, there's just, there's so many aspects where I think the way you just put that, Spencer, is is that is is doing this with a grander intent, I think is something that probably I didn't bring to the surface like I- enough in this, but it's, you know, sometimes hard to work all those pieces together. But I think like what you drew out, that idea of our collective restoration versus just our individual mm-hmm. restoration, where we as a a representative family, you know, the kingdom, however you want to frame that and displaying God well, mm. it's not just as an individual, but as a corporate group. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, that was a good insight. When you just like that, that idea that you brought up at the beginning, the not growing weary and doing good to believe that loving each other in this uncomfortable way is a good thing to do. It just brought up to mind, it's from Proverbs 3, where it says, do not withhold good from the one to whom it is due when it is in your, in your power to do it. Yeah. And if we have this conviction from scripture that this sort of like corrective bringing to light, seeking to win a brother back from a, a, a way in which we've gone off track it's a good thing yeah what would keep me to with what, what would cause me to withhold that good even <laughs> if my brother and i had not received yeah it, you know? yeah what, what would prevent it um here are the things that <laughs> yeah. Pre- yeah. cause me to prevent yeah. uh fear <laughs> uh, arrogance insecurity yeah. Uh, yeah. just being selfish with my time i don't want to i don't want to make the sacrifice of time yeah. to actually go man this is going to uncork some ugliness mm-hmm. that's going to take probably three or four days or weeks mm-hmm. or months on the back end. Uh, man, the, once it's uncorked, it's going to get ugly. Yeah. And I don't know, it's too messy. I don't want to mess with it. So, there was, <laughs> so sorry, I, I'm just, no, this, no, these, are, these are all the things that are like, one, you, of, the one, points, of, the like, one of the points I wanted to put in there is to talk about like, this is a costly endeavor yeah. to choose to do this is extremely costly, but the return reward on it yeah. is so, right. Whenever you, right. you're always evaluating things on a, a cost reward. Mm-hmm. You, you guys know this, like one of the most beautiful things ever is out of confrontation, whether it's me being confronted or the person being confronted and there's restoration mm-hmm. and goodness being brought and lives being transformed. That is like, 
a reward that mm. not just only in the display of God, but even in on a on a personal mm. level. There, I don't know if there's much greater than that within mm. the church. Yeah. Like it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that's where it comes back. Going okay. If we see it as more than just an individual pursuit, but we do see this as a restoration of what God intended for his people, then all of a sudden the risk is worth it. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden that reward does matter. Oh, because now an aspect of God's people that wasn't functioning the way it was intended now is. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, All of a sudden that burden that is going to be uncorked once we do this okay, it is worth it. Um, All of a sudden, Galatians 6 does matter because you go, oh, I will bear a burden on the back end. I mean, the reality of bearing a burden, it's a burden. (laughs) You know, it's hard. It's going to be heavy and going, okay, no, but, oh, but it is worth it. Not because of me or you as individuals or not even because of our relationship, but because it's a, a, a restoration to what God intended for his people. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just I, I think that all of a sudden the Galatians six thing makes a lot more sense when we think of it in terms of. Yeah. That seems know. like a great place to stop. Yeah. So my heart, like, yeah, even at the end of it, my, I pray that Cornerstone that we do become a church that learns the goodness of confrontation, and even to just even sitting here today, going, gosh, there's so much more to learn about it and grow in it just from our discussion. So what my prayer is, like I said, with Beyond Sunday, that the truths of God's word would be real and evident in your life, but that you wouldn't just work them out alone, but that you truly would, even what hopefully we were able to do in, as you all listen today, just to see the goodness of working them out as, as a group of people inside of a local church, these friendships. So God bless you all. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to, to talking, I guess not with you, but at you <laughs> later. So wow. God bless. Wow.